Hello everyone and welcome back to Young Professionals Guide where we inform you about different careers and industries to help you build your own future. In the last episode, Eric, Mark and I were talking about pitching live and remotely and how to make it stand out in both situations. Since our recordings are usually done on location, Eric and I thought it would be a good idea to reduce the amount of participants uh, to a minimum, therefore it is just going to be myself and the guest for now, but once the fog clears out, we'll go back to normal. But for now, let's focus on our new guest and our topic of today, which is going to be the shock of the first day, what comes and how to handle it. Our guest for today is going to be David from Keylane. David, hi. Hi, nice to see you. Nice to see you as well. Thank you for having me. Uh, today, we're supposed to talk about the shock of the first real working day. Uh, you know, when you enter the building with your very fresh employee card uh, going towards the desk, asking yourself, what am I supposed to do? What can you tell us about that? Yeah, and I, I'm very happy to because it's such a defining moment, literally, when you walk into the door. And of course, there's this whole process that leads up to the moment that you step into this new company, literally. And the whole process, you have uh, made the choice to start work there. You made the choice for a certain role, a certain salary. But there's so much on top of that that you don't know at that moment when you step in. Dealing with so many people as an HR director, how would you describe one's typical first day at work? I think what you experience is that it just starts from scratch. You walk in, you don't know anybody's name except maybe the people that hired you directly. But you get into this building, but that's also, I think, an analogy for stepping into a new culture, a new way of working and a new way of uh, being with other people. And that just takes up a lot of energy. And that's also, I think, something you can prepare for by just making sure that you're open, that your, your, your mind is open from the moment you walk in, uh, that you don't lose yourself, but you keep track of how you're feeling and how you're doing in the, in, in the first period of your, uh, your existence at this new company. The first day is also something that in that respect, uh, from an HR perspective, from the company perspective, we take very seriously because we know a lot of people are very nervous. They ring the doorbell and you go like, hey, we knew you were coming, of course, this is your first day step in and we just basically try to calm them down so we give we make sure the coffee is good there's music playing we know who they are they can just sit down and uh, just getting to the atmosphere of things and we start by just telling them lots of stuff that we don't expect them to remember even but just to get them into the vibe uh, getting into it and then slowly but surely we up the tempo so after that you of course you'll meet more people you meet people that you will start working with directly you start learning the software, the tooling, the building, the culture, but that just it needs to be a gradual process because it just it takes a lot from people to to start working, especially. And I think that's also what we're talking about today: younger people. So your first role or your first job, definitely. And I remember vividly from uh, from my first um, uh, job, like I had no idea what it was to work at all. I graduated in a period where it wasn't really necessary to do an internship or do clerking somewhere. I'm, I was a law student. Uh, so I just, I, I went in uh, really cold. I had no idea what people expected from me. And uh, I still remember that experience. And that's also, I think, the perspective that we take here. Like, um, welcome. Uh, you probably have no idea. We're really glad you chose for us. Uh, and let us help you get into it. And that's... Uh, Speaking of integration and culture... How would you, in that sense, integrate new employees uh, into a new culture and into a new way of work that they haven't experienced before? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I think culture is always uh, such an interesting topic also because the definition is something uh, you can debate, but I think a very general 
sort of a, a definition of is, is it the culture is the way we do things around here. Um, and I think also from that perspective, you just need to ease people in, just show them around, make sure they gain new experiences because those experiences also come from that culture. And if it's only seeing a presentation on the structure of the company, hearing about the mission and vision, but also having lunch, going to drinks, just take them along into meetings. Literally also that's what we do with, uh, with uh, people joining my HR team, for instance, and the facilities team. You just tell someone, just, just follow me, literally, uh, for the first days. Just, I'll tell you where we're going. I have a, like a full schedule of meetings. Just follow me. I'll introduce you to everyone we see. Uh, just sit back, listen. If you have any questions, don't be afraid to ask them. Um, you're new. Everybody understands you're new. They expect you to ask questions. So don't be afraid. Try to be yourself. If you have any questions that you don't want to ask in the meeting, just five minutes after the meeting and ask me those questions, I'm very glad to, to help you uh, settle in because we also made the choice for you. We need to find each other. Gaining experiences in the first days, first weeks is very important. But there's also a point where you sort of feel that you're getting into it and you, you met the people and uh, you sort of know when people have lunch and where the toilets are and what some abbreviations mean that people use and you slowly get into it. And at that point in time, you also really uh, need to start the work and to make sure that you uh, can also like get your own territory, so to say, to get into it. And as a newbie, what's expected to be delivered? Since uh, you just mentioned that you need to go with uh, with your colleagues and uh, get to know everyone, go to meetings, follow them. But on the other hand, you also have to, well, learn how to do your work, how to deliver. How do you manage that? I think it's a bit of both. I think at some point, like I just explained, it's very important to get your own thing and to start focusing on something that, that you can concentrate on and, and work on and, and start delivering. Finding that point is not easy because you need to know some stuff before you can start work. And of course, you can't be integrating for, for, for weeks and weeks in a row. You need to get to work. And that's also why you're here. And that's also the nice part of being here, that we hired you for something that you, you'd like to do and that's very necessary to do. So there's, a, there's an important reason that you're here. And I feel that um, you can sort of establish this together by really opening up that communication and making sure that the people who are responsible for your integration or the people in your team or the people that you work with, just ask them those questions. And uh, I think in general that any employer really likes people asking questions. And one of those questions could be, when can I start working? Like, why don't I take this part of what we discussed today and let me put my thoughts into it or let me make a proposal or let me uh, maybe participate in this or that. So seeking that autonomy is seeking action and seeking something to work on, I think is, is, is very much appreciated. <laughs> so far, all of our guests, uh, I think literally each one of them uh, said that asking questions is good, asking questions is expected, but uh, still people are afraid of the outcome because they have those scenarios in their head uh, thinking, uh, what if they don't like me? What if they think I'm stupid? What if this, what if that? What would be your tip to those people that are having those fears of asking questions? Yeah, I was expecting you to say this anxiety because I think that's what it is. And it's, it's so natural to have that. And that's also, I think, uh, that anxiety is at its peak level when you ring the doorbell at this new company on day one because you go like, I have no idea what to expect. Of course, you know the role, you know the name of the company, you know a bit of what to expect, but getting into it and uh, getting into that phase of making yourself known to the company while you're there is so important. And I think 
it's really easy to say to people, don't be afraid to ask questions. And that's really, it's a cliche, but it's so true. You made the choice for the employer, but the employer also made the choice for you and is expecting you to ask questions. Very pragmatically, if you start working on something and you don't ask questions, uh, say you screw it up a bit and it turns out to be something that you could have asked or you could have checked uh, in, in the early stages of that, of that piece of work, that just also doesn't look really good. And I think that cliche of ask questions is really something to keep in mind. And I know and I understand also from personal experience that that sort of peace of mind or that calmness that you need to have to really don't be afraid to ask questions is also something to maybe emphasize in yourself and to make yourself understand when you walk in, like, I'm just going to be myself. Mm-hmm. People expect me to be myself. Yes, I'm a bit excited. I'm nervous. But I know what to expect. And why not just tell people? And of course, that doesn't mean going around telling everyone how nervous you are. But some people, I think you should put your trust in. And if there's something like a mentor or a buddy or your, the manager that hired you, why not have that conversation and say to that person, I'm a bit nervous about starting out. So... Could you maybe help me settle down? So, for instance, I always feel that it's really important for new people to understand the schedule, like literally understand the schedule. Like, okay, this is what we're going to do today. Uh, these are the people you will meet for the first day, but we stop working at 5.30 and we'll go have a beer. Just something uh, structurally to, uh, to settle people down. And I think that also um, should go for the period after that. So just ask questions like, who is this? Where are we going? What does this mean? Who, who was that guy again? Could you please help me remember what we did yesterday? Just be open about it. Hmm. Looking at it like that, um, in that case, asking a question can help you, well, probably avoid a mistake in the future, outcome of which can be far worse than, uh, well, just you asking the question. Uh, am I getting it right? Exactly. Although I, I think that comes from an, sort of an, uh, a perspective of fear, and I don't think that's that's the right way, but I think... It comes more from a perspective of it's happening to you right now. And, and if you don't make something out of it and you, are, you don't really try to be yourself and be calm about it and understand that you are there for because they also want you and that's vice versa. This is your new job, so might as well get into it. And don't be afraid, I think, is a better perspective. Don't be afraid to be yourself, ask questions. You are one of a billion people who started their first job today and it's happening to you right now, but don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to ask the wrong questions, wear the wrong clothes, ask for directions again, ask for the abbreviation again. I mean, uh, it's also something to get you in the, in the vibe, into the culture, into the atmosphere, also into productivity. And I think uh, the right perspective is uh, learn as much as you can. Th- this is your working life. It just started. You have about, uh, I think, 40 years to uh, to do great stuff, and it, it started today, so don't be afraid, just uh, start the adventure. Don't be afraid actually does sound way better than uh, simply just ask the question. Uh, but hey, you also mentioned the uh, use of a uh, mentor. Uh, why would you get one? Are they even useful, and how? I think it's very useful, and I think it also goes beyond some official mentor or mentee structures that some companies have in place. Uh, even if there is a mentor and he or she takes the job very seriously, then it still uh, could be the case that it doesn't really fit your expectations. So it's always something that you have to put an effort into as well and that you have to shape together with that mentor uh, if that person is there at all. Probably that person will have some idea of how to guide you into into the first period at that company. But if there's no mentor or if you feel that you 
need a different level of information, for instance, um, then I think it's also very good to just seek one out. Um, and you might not be able to do that on the first day or in the first weeks because you don't know everyone. But at a certain point, or if you meet someone that you, I think you, that you have a connection with or someone close to you doing the same thing, but maybe a few years ahead, it just makes so much sense to go to the person and say, hey, could we maybe like have a conversation once a week because I feel that you could really help me with some stuff. I think in general, people love that. They love coaching juniors. They love helping new people uh, get into it and find their way in the company because they also benefit from that. They also like that you came to work with them in their teams. And most people, I think, if not all people, are really, really uh, appreciative of, of people uh, asking for those questions. And I have the same. And what is the benefit one would miss by not having a mentor, in your opinion? Yeah, good one. Yeah, I think um, uh, what a mentor doesn't do is uh, like show you the tricks. There is no mystique, for instance, that he or she will be able to lift the veil from. Uh, but it's really practical stuff. Like how do you prepare stuff? Where can you find things? Maybe you did some work and you're not really sure if it landed well. Just go check with them, help, uh, ask them for help in preparation of stuff. Uh, just really practical how to get around uh, uh, advice. Um, and on top of that, if you really connect well to your mentor, he or she could also be a person to help you lift a bit of the anxiety. So maybe like check once every now and like, how do you think I'm doing? Uh, do you maybe have any tips? Do you see me walking around uh, here for, for a few days or a few weeks now? Um, do you think uh, I'm doing well? H how could you maybe help me uh, get even better? Do you think I'm doing the right things? Do you uh, have any other people you think I should meet? Stuff like that. So, From what you're saying then, I guess uh, since you have all those conversations uh, with a mentor and uh, you help each other and, well, the mentor helps you especially, uh, it's easier to develop that um, trust for feedback and maybe even the tiny bit of openness that uh, you have together helps. Is that right? I think so, yeah, because the word mentor is always, I think that's what I meant with formal structure because some companies will just appoint a mentor to you, but of course the word mentor is also someone who can teach you. And I think you can also find mentors or different mentors throughout the organization, also in different stages of your, your career at that company. So it might well be that you have different mentors or different teachers Mm -hmm. with you or around you in the in the years that you that you work somewhere going back to that uh shock of the first day uh with or without a mentor you're going to have that shock uh how long do you think it usually lasts and does the period of shock uh get shorter with uh, the amount of experience that you get that's a nice idea yeah i, th I think the, the shock is always there because there's always a new culture there's always new people there's always stuff you don't understand even when you're very senior I think uh, I'm 50 years old right now. I've worked for 25 years or something like that. And I've had maybe six or seven jobs. The shock gets a bit less. But still, for instance, when I joined Keylane two and a half years ago, I didn't really have any knowledge about this industry or about the solutions that we produce for the market. Uh, some internal stuff that you, that you don't fully grab immediately. And I think the same dynamic is always there. Like you don't understand it fully. But you are, and that's, I think, increasingly so in your career as you get more senior, you get the expectation to produce is increasing uh, and the speed of production. So when you enter a company in a senior role, I think you're expected from, say, day three or so to come up with a plan and to, uh, to, to show the company how it's done. Well, that's also good. That's also, I think, one of the sort of reasons that you make the choice because you feel you can contribute something. 
So it, the shock is still there because you're entering a whole new world. At the same time, um, you will probably have a bit more confidence about what you will bring to that company. Presumably, that's also the reason that they hired you because they feel they need to change or do something with the knowledge that you can provide. And do you think there's anything one can do at home in order to absorb the shock or soften it? Something like a study, maybe? That's really different for everyone, but by just reading up on it, or even before the day that you start work or you actually start work, uh, speak to people from the company. Uh, I also did that like weeks before I joined this company. I was already at a, an executive offsite. I met the other guys in the executive committee and I met uh, people from the HR team already online before the day I joined. I talked to a lot of people who used to work here and who could tell me something about the, the pension and insurance industry. Uh, and that also gave me comfort that I, I knew something. Of course, I, I knew a lot more than that already, but uh, it just really helped me to get into it uh, sooner than not doing that. Yeah. In that case, one can argue that learning things beforehand and probably studying can uh, ease your own mind. I think so, yeah. And I think the shock, as we call it, will be there anyway. It, it will take you a lot of energy in the first days to uh, to understand everything and to uh, to find your place and to, to get embedded into the company. But I think you can, if you just allow yourself for, for that to happen and you also allow yourself to be a bit nervous and at the same time tell yourself and emphasize, just relax, be yourself, let it come over you, uh, be open, ask questions, be positive and see it as an experience, I think then that's a very good state of mind for the for the first period somewhere. I can actually relate to uh, to what you just said uh, with an own experience of a uh, new assignment where I'm expected to do more than uh, than I did before. Well, at least in other way. And uh, yeah, basically it consists of uh, me reading documents in the evening or doing some uh, uh, extra work on uh, in the evenings themselves or sometimes putting effort in the weekend, you know. Um, and another thing that I uh, do to uh, continue, you know, this uh, human contact and uh, social life is inviting people over for a uh, something that I call uh, an e-coffee. And uh, that is just me inviting people saying, hey, uh, let's uh, let's meet, let's have a quick, uh, quick chat, discuss uh, your weekend, what you've done, uh, going through anything, uh, you know, to kind of dig the other person. And I think it's really important because then you see how they find work and whether they find it hard or not, or if they're going through anything. And uh, all in all, it motivates you to do the same uh, because you level with them. And if you see that they're working hard, uh, you will uh, naturally be drawn into doing the exact same thing and working hard along, uh, alongside your colleagues. I recognize that fully. And I think also that's even more so, for instance, when you enter a company that you're not really clear of, for instance, about the industry that it's in, about the playing fields in that industry, about how others view the company, what the role of that company is towards its competitors, like all this stuff is indeed building the picture for yourself. And that really helps. Then it also becomes more interesting anyway, the more you know about it. Looking at the first day again, uh, do you think juniors are expected to uh, work nine to five on the clock? Is this something that you would consider a norm nowadays? I don't think so, not anymore. I, I think it's shifted. I, I, think, I think that's a, a thing in society. It's shifted, especially in the service industry, by the way. Because it's it's different if you if you work behind the conveyor belt, for instance, to make it a bit a cliche. But I think in the services industry, a bit more flexibility is expected. Sometimes that goes uh, very far into yes, you're expected to also work in your private time, and on the other hand, you can also maybe have a bit of private time on work days. Now with the home working, that's especially the case. I think 
Yeah, we just talked before the interview about uh, the necessity to just sometimes take a walk when you work from home so much. And I think that flexibility, I think, is necessary also to stay productive. So you could call that a private activity during work hours, but still it's, it's necessary. And I think also sometimes in the evening, maybe doing something that's necessary to prepare for the next day is also part of the deal. And I think um, the nine to five thing is gone a bit. I think if you um, show that you are willing to learn, willing to participate, willing to be active, I think that's a lot more important than the hours uh, per se. And nine to five, I think, is, uh, is gone. And especially, I think, uh, nine to five also doesn't really fit every industry. So it really depends. But I think in general for yeah, the flexibility also that clients request really doesn't align with the nine to five thinking. In that case, would you say there's a shift between the input of hours and the output of work? And we don't necessarily have to put, let's say, um, all those hours throughout the day, but as long as the job is done, then the job is done. Definitely. Sometimes defined as output rather than input, which is making it a bit too easy, because how do you measure output? I think part of your work is also be part of the team, be part of a production and play a role in production. And production can be anything from, from creation to a product to a, to a service. But I think uh, flexibility shouldn't go that far that you are, for instance, not there at all. I think also that's one of the challenges of the homeworking thing is that if you really don't uh, feel as a part of the team or are literally not a part of the team in the office, then sometimes that's, that part of work can be lost a bit. And I think output is not everything that we deliver. It's also about culture, about uh, something that's called cooperation, collaboration. And I think that also goes a long way. And that's where, for instance, quality and service and devotion are really hard to measure, but are really important to participate in. Mm -hmm. And looking at modern times and considering this year's circumstances, uh, what do you see as an effective measure to uh, keep culture alive remotely? I think that's a question that many, if not all companies, are, are busy with answering. It's really, really important to ask the question in the first instance. And answering it is, uh, is something that will be different for every company. I think in general, it's really hard to say something about it. It's really easy to find solutions for it. For instance, like you just said, the word e-coffee. Uh, you also have like e-drinks, e-pub quizzes. There's a lot that you can do online. You could just give each other Teams and Zoom calls all day. It doesn't really deliver on uh, keeping the culture alive. So e-coffees, e-drinks all sounds great, but I think it will be really hard to have the same collaboration and, and spirit in, in uh, just online meetings as you would have in everyday life. And I, I had that experience when the first intelligent lockdown in the Netherlands was here mid-March. I didn't go to the office for weeks. And then the first time I was back in the office was like end of April, early May. And I met with people physically for the first time in many, many weeks. And that was such a strange experience. Like literally for a few minutes, we, everyone was like, what's happening? Okay, we're in a room together. And of course you get used to it really fast immediately. But what taught me was that like the 3D experience of working together and being in a room together is really, really very different and a lot more rich and a lot more expanded than just being uh, on the screens together. We really need to find a way to make sure that the, the unique culture that we have and that all companies have is safeguarded and kept. And we feel that uh, we cannot do that virtually alone. So we really need to have a component of office-based working to safeguard that culture, to keep the collaboration alive and to keep the teaming alive and the fun of working together alive. So we are looking for a mix and we think that at Keyland, at least, it will be very hard to have this company be the same if we would only be working virtually together. So we really need to 
especially to, for instance, the, the topic that we just talked about, integrate juniors and make sure that people feel welcome here and they can start contributing and they need to learn the tricks of the trades, you really need to be together. I'm curious, uh, what is your view on video games? I am a uh, gamer myself, have been playing since I can pretty much remember myself, PC Master Race. I have made a lot of online friends, developed contacts and kept connections. Uh, pretty much everything is uh, online and a lot of it with the help of video games. Do you think video games can have a bigger role in modern day company culture? Yeah, I love the question. I'm a, I've also like throughout my life played video games, like from the first machine ever to the new PlayStation 4. I've, I've had them all. I, I'm more of the like story mode generation rather than the online. Uh, so I don't really have the experience that you describe of having uh, online friends through the gaming. My youngest son, who is 12, does have that. So he, I can see that part of his social activity is being online with his friends or uh, like uh, guys in his team that he's never met who live in other continents. So that part, I love the gaming. I think gaming in general is such an interesting topic. We use it to assess people. So we have a collaboration with a company called Brains First, very interesting. They developed gaming assessments for professional purposes. So they have the proposition that every role is different. And to be a surgeon, you need a very different set of capacities and capabilities and a personality maybe than if you're a consultant. They test it in a, in a gamified way. So you, if you join Keylane or you want to work for Keylane, at some point during the application process, you have to do these games. And from those games, from many parameters in those games, we um, sort of distill a profile of where you would fit the role that we're looking for. So every role has a different game or a set of games. So that's where we use it a lot, which is very interesting. We've done it for two years now. We're fine tuning it a bit now, but we learn a lot from it. And that's also related to the second part of that is that in this industry where people develop software and they're close to technology and they love technology and innovation, many people are avid gamers. And it could be, well, I think most of them love electronic games, but also a really large part loves board games. And that's a world that I really don't know. Yes, I played Monopoly, I played Risk, I played a lot of other stuff, but not the games they play. I know Dungeon and, and Dungeons and Dragons, and I know Axis and Allies, but that's sort of where I stopped, which is like end of the 90s, I guess. And, but uh, we have this office open uh, for many hours in the day, and we even accommodate like groups of board gamers to sit around, and we'll provide them with a few beers and a pizza. And these games go on for days. And uh, if you're just looking at, at the physical board itself and seeing all the pawns on it and the cards and all the stuff that like you really don't understand unless you read the like 65 page manual and uh, so that whole idea of gaming and being together around a game whether it's electronically or or physically uh, in the same room is just really uh, is, is a fantastic idea and i'm i think i'm really connected to it because of my own gaming experience but uh, not the, the complicated board games, but I think it's, it's an important part in life to just keep on playing games. Yeah, take that, mom. See, I got somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> we drifted away a little bit. Um, going back, I made a lot of mistakes along the way uh, getting where I am now. Uh, in some cases, especially at my first job, I felt like, uh, you know, the sky is falling and uh, I am the one to blame. Um, how would you recommend handling mistakes? Uh, I, for example, was always afraid that the company will uh, either get rid of me or uh, that they will lose trust or, you know, I fear the worst. Understandably so. Yeah. And I think like I think people in general don't like to make mistakes. And I think that's also the assumption that you should have as a company. Assume good intentions. Right. I think mistakes are a part of life. I think 
every action, every incident leads to a next step. It's a classic, but like closing doors, opening doors, right? I, I just hope that, that there aren't many companies left or many companies uh, asking people to join them who look at, at people in that way. So I think making mistakes uh, is something to live with. It's something to expect. People will make mistakes. And of course, there is a level of mistakes that you want to safeguard, right? So you don't want people to be able to press a button that will sort of make the company go belly up, right? Or make huge investment decisions that can go wrong just because they made a mistake. So I think every sensible and mature company has processes in place that prevents people from making the huge, like the sky falls down mistakes. And I think any other thing should be acceptable and, and making the, the same mistake twice is different than making it three times and four times and five times, of course. There is a level of sort of capability and mastery involved at a certain point in time. Still, then you can make mistakes, right? You could be a perfect software developer who never makes coding mistakes. At the same time, you can make mistakes or, or F-ups or whatever in personal interaction with people. So I think trial and error in general in life is, is a very important thing to understand also for yourself, not be nervous about it. I've also had, of course, experience where I felt like woke, waking up in the middle of the night going, oh no, like suddenly it hits you, right? You go like, I forgot this or I did that wrong. And people will probably get very angry with me and I, uh, I did a lot of harm to this person or that process or I didn't deliver on time. I think that's ambition speaking and it's also uh, humanity speaking. And it's okay. I think uh, the, the best thing to do with mistakes ever is confess immediately if you feel that it went wrong, because sometimes you are wrong, sometimes it's not a mistake. And I think uh, not telling people about your mistake is a lot worse than making that mistake. So I think also when joining, if you feel you made a mistake, just confess, just go to that person or whoever you're working with, go like, I think I messed up, I think I made a mistake. And often people go like, yeah, that happens a lot, or yes, that's very complicated, I'll teach you how to do it. It can be resolved and sometimes it's a mistake, a plain and simple mistake. It went wrong. You probably won't do it the second time. Maybe uh, you'll do it the second time. You won't do it the third time because you, you learn, right? You gain experience. So it's okay. A part, of course, from the mistakes where you, where you really, really mess up and something goes terribly wrong. And that's part of life. And you just, yeah, you need a bit of luck, of course, as well. Oh, yes. Can totally relate to that. I have, uh, I, I really have flashbacks right now. <laughs> uh, but hey, you also mentioned uh, ambition. Uh, one might have it, uh, but not really know how to handle it. Uh, how would you advise our young audience, uh, the juniors especially, on uh, handling ambition and, uh, well, using that in order to grow their career? And ambition is, is uh, I think, is a key word. And ambition is something, it's not a dirty word. People sometimes connect it immediately to being overambitious or, or being like zealous or being uh, like fanatical about stuff. But I think ambition is a really good thing. I think ambition is transparent. It's clear. It's something that you should have because ambition, I think, comes from a place where you think something of it. If you are in a situation, whether it's private or work, Ambition is the part that tells you what you want to do there. And ambition is the part at work where you feel like maybe you should improve things or maybe things can be done differently or done better or maybe you can organize it differently and do it in a different way so that the client is happier or the team is more efficient or the product is better. And I think ambition is a very good thing. And I think blocking ambition or keeping ambition down is a silly thing. Everyone working in a company 
should have the, I think, uh, the opportunity to voice what they feel of it. And uh, you don't have to be a full democracy, of course, every day, all day. But I think hearing people and listening what they have to say uh, when they think something of it and they have an opinion of it, I think uh, is something to, uh, to be nourished and to be safeguarded. And people who show ambition will often be in a place where they understand parts of the process that maybe the team doesn't or you don't. And uh, that just uh, will in the end lead to improvements. And I think that's a, that's a very good thing. I think that's, that's why you're there, right? I mean, uh, Keylane will still exist, hopefully, uh, long after I'm gone. And the next HR director will probably think different things. Uh, and he, he or she will do something different to the company. But that's a good thing because uh, the different times require different people. And I have the ambition to make it better right now. And I made a plan for it and I have a team for it. And we're going in the right direction and we're doing good stuff. I think uh, that's necessary because without ambition, it, it will just stand still, right? It will just... Definitely. Uh, especially when you have uh, big goals, you have to know how to apply them and uh, where an ambition is kind of that engine that uh, pushes it forward. How would you apply your ambition in order to achieve those goals that you have? How do you get to where you want to get? That's a very good point. I think I try to solve that in different ways, in different stages in life. At the times where you feel, let me speak for myself, at the times where I feel that I need more insights and stuff, for instance. Right now is a good example. We're all working from home. We don't know when COVID-19 will be over. Uh, but we do need to uh, do something with the home working and office working situation. So... I've never done this before. I've never been at this point in time for this company, been responsible for this before. So this is a first for me. And I think uh, what really helped me is acknowledge that I needed input. So I, I started calling around. I started calling former colleagues. I started asking them for names of people who could maybe help me out with, with getting the thinking on its feet uh, on this topic. And that's uh, something I've never done before either on this topic. So I just found my way around a network of people who had thoughts about this and it really helped me shape it for myself and for this company. And we're, we're far from finished, but just to, to tell you a bit about the process. I think um, life is full of secrets, but there are always people who will be able to tell you a bit about that secret or maybe solve it for you. Being open about what you don't know, for instance, I think is, a, is an asset. Like just uh, pretending that you know stuff or that you know the solution, I think is, is, is very silly. And I think, and I've worked in HR a long time, so I know a lot about it, of course, but I am definitely not a specialist in all parts of my work. So I do need a team and I do need people around me who know something specific about talent acquisition, about operations, about payroll, about business partnering, about how to set up a learning strategy, how to do online learning well, et cetera, et cetera. I use a lot of, uh, of the, the, the sort of the mind power of my team members to, to set things up. And that goes from devising the HR strategy together, where I am, of course, in the end responsible. But I really need their brain power to make something of it and to make sure that it's something that we all support and we believe in that we can make work. So I think the misconception is that you can do everything alone and by yourself. And I think it's very important, speaking for myself, to find other people who can provide me with input, with thinking, with criticism, with feedback, and to just make sure that, that it moves, that the topic is shaped and that it just moves forward. So just make sure it moves, I think is the most important part. And I think it relates to what we just spoke about, like the more you know of a topic, the more interesting it gets, and the more you will have your opinion about it, the more you will 
understand something about the possibilities, the opportunities and the solutions for, for issues in it. Gaining that knowledge and making sure that, um, that you understand a bit more about it uh, will also in general help the solution come closer. Oh yeah, for sure. You can definitely do things uh, yourself. You can finish them by yourself and uh, take all the credit. But surrounding yourself with the right people can definitely help uh, boost the outcome, uh, make uh, your experience richer and uh, maybe your uh, entire journey smoother. Looking at the time, by the way, I would say let's jump into your tip that you would like to pass on to our young Clueless audience. What would that be? Thanks for the opportunity because I, I thought about it. You asked me the question beforehand. As I said, I'm 50 years old, so probably... People who start work right now are like between 21 and 25 or something. They also have a bit uh, less time at university than I had. I think in general, and, and that's uh, I think more of a life lesson related to work than anything else. I think work is so important. That doesn't mean that I work 24-7. But work is, you spend so much time at work and life goes so fast that it's so important that you feel well at work. You feel well in the place that you're in. You feel well in the teams that, that, are, that are around you, your manager, the assignment that you have, uh, the industry that you're in, uh, the direction the company is in going. All these things influence your well-being and your, uh, your place. And I think it's, of course, really hard and I think impossible to find a place where everything is perfect. Because if everything is perfect, I mean, that doesn't exist. That's like heaven. Yeah, if everything is perfect, nothing is probably perfect. Exactly. So I think it's so important to understand the relation between you as a person and your personality and your goals in life and the place that you're in. And if you don't feel happy and you feel that you're in the wrong place and you feel that despite trying to improve stuff, it just doesn't happen, find something else. Choose for your own happiness, I think is, is my, my tip. Um, that doesn't mean that you don't have to be loyal to some organizations at some point in time. But the most important thing is that you are doing something that you like something that's close to you, something that you love. And that's hard enough as it is. Uh, and certainly if you're in a place that you don't like, that doesn't make you happy. And of course you should try to improve it. But if, if that doesn't work, leave, find a different place. I have seen too many people just adamant on staying and giving it all they got and just not being happy, making it erode their personal happiness, their personal well-being. It's not worth it. It's really much more important to, to, to focus on your family, your loved ones, the people around you, your friends. No one has ever on their dying bed looked back and said, I wish I spent more time in the office. And that's a cliche, but it's so true. Yeah, agreed. Um, having eroded uh, employees, colleagues and surroundings significantly affects the culture and eventually that erosion becomes the culture itself. Exactly. Um, David, I think we discussed a lot of topics, also looking at the time. Uh, so, let's sum things up. The first thing that uh, I would like to say is that if you're a junior, you're a new guy, you're going to be very uh, excited uh, about your first day and the entire experience, uh, make sure to have an open mind uh, so that you're not going to lose yourself with all the new information that you hear and that you get. And um, don't forget, usually you start slow and you build the tempo with the time. And this is how companies are doing this. Don't forget, uh, you're new, uh, you're fresh, and you're expected to ask questions. Questions are good. Employees love it. Uh, you can show initiative through asking questions. Uh, you can always nag people with questions. They don't mind either. They do like to help juniors and bringing them up to speed. Something that helps you get into that 
culture, that uh, company vibe is talking to people, um, share some experience with them, go for lunch together. Uh, it helps you bond and you that way understand how the company works in general, what the people are talking about, what are the, uh, the topics that are going on, what is the atmosphere. Um, it all comes down to talking. Now, something that might help ease down that shock uh, would be understanding the schedule. It helps you settling down. Besides that, learning as much as you can, uh, maybe the night before, um, helps you with understanding what your day or week uh, might look like, and that helps you with easing your mind. Mentors is also something that can help you get around, maybe integrating with uh, other colleagues or developing connection with new people, understanding how your work is supposed to be done, um, helping you avoid mistakes. They love coaching. People love coaching juniors. Uh, they like to see growth. It's kind of like whenever you're getting a tree, uh, you water it, uh, you change the ground, uh, you buy a new pot and you see it grow, you see it, uh, you see it fruiting. And this is something similar. Keep in mind, there's a lot of ways to keep social interaction, uh, whether through games, video games, cards, anything, just invite people for e-coffee, you know, um, talk with them, that also enhances your experience, you feel like you're a part of something, uh, even though you're sitting alone by yourself uh, in your office room or whatsoever. Um, there are colleagues, there are people that can help you, and you just have to find a way on how to get in touch with them. That's it. Now, considering it's the beginning of your career and you have decades to go, uh, you're going to make some mistakes along the way. It's fine. Mistakes are good. Mistakes help you learn. Um, if you feel like you're like you made one, uh, simply confess. Um, it's a plain and simple mistake. Nothing big. It's probably bigger in your head than in real life. Having ambition is good. It doesn't mean that you're just zealous or that you're evil. Uh, ambition is that inner voice, is that engine that keeps things moving uh, towards your goal, whether it's your own or company goal. Uh, it is fine to have, it is good to use, especially if you have a mentor. Uh, you can talk with your mentor about your ambition and he or she can make you help a plan in order to achieve those goals that you have using your ambition. Another point that I find really, really important, not only regarding to a career, but also life in general, is surround yourself with the right people. Uh, the right people can help you with a better outcome for yourself, for the company, and in general, once you're with the right people, you feel happier. And just like David said, find a place where you are happy, where the place is not eroded, where the people are not eroded. Your happiness is key, and it's important. David, thanks a lot for the conversation. It was such a pleasure. You're very welcome. Thank you guys for listening, and until next time.